Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now, The Hamilton Corner. Welcome to another edition of The Hamilton Corner. Alex McFarland here on the American Family Radio Network. Folks, you do not want to miss the next few moments. We've got a great show today. I want to say what an honor it is to be sitting in for my friend, Abe Hamilton. And if you know uh, my name, uh, you probably have heard me on Exploring the Word, which airs earlier in the day on the AFR network, and then we have a weekend show called Truth for a New Generation. But I'm very honored to be sitting in for Abe Hamilton, especially at this time. And uh, we've got somebody I want to introduce in a moment, but I want to begin with a quote by a civil rights leader of the 19th century, Reverend Francis Grimke. Uh, He was a former slave, an early civil rights leader, and a Presbyterian minister. And decades before uh, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, led the civil rights movement of the 1960s, and that's another subject that is really in itself very inspiring to talk about, but regarding the era of the Civil War in the 19th century and fighting slavery and, of course, Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation— There were people, even in the 19th century, that had the mindset, well, America is flawed, America is bad, it's not worth saving, let's just, you know, slash and burn and destroy the country. And Dr. Grimke, Reverend Grimke, said this, now listen, the secession of the southern states in 1860 was a small matter he said, compared with the secession of the Union itself from the great principles enunciated in the Declaration of Independence, the Golden Rule, the Ten Commandments, and in the Sermon on the Mount, unless we hold, he said, and hold firmly to these great fundamental principles of righteousness, our Union will only be a covenant with death and an agreement with hell, end of quote. Now, those are strong words, but what he was saying is, you know, when, when a state or a subset of people breaks with the ideals of America, that's bad enough, but what would be even worse, said Francis Grimke, would be if we would cut ourselves loose from, look at some of these, these principles and foundation stones of our nation, the Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew 5-7, through 7, where Christ talked about Blessed are the peacemakers. The Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. You know, if you go to see the U.S. Capitol, there's the beautiful rotunda. And just right off the rotunda, one of the meeting rooms, there are these two doors, huge doors, double doors. And I wanted to take a picture of those, and and, uh, I couldn't when I was up there, but they're the two tablets of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, all over Washington you see representations of the Ten Commandments, because as so many of our great leaders have recognized, that our nation, our government, our civil rights, the Declaration of Independence, our judiciary was based on the righteous law of God, the golden rule. And so, friend, we need to pray for our country, but we need to know and understand our founding. Uh, Franklin, the oldest member at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, 
Franklin said that ignorance was the doorway to tyranny. And, and I fear so many masses are ignorant, not only of you know, what our nation was founded on, but really what made our nation so great. I mean, honestly, folks, in this era of COVID and quarantine and now the uh, protests and riots in the aftermath of the tragic death of George Floyd, um, let's be honest, our stability, our tranquility, um, prosperity, we've, we'd kind of taken it for granted, hadn't we? You know, there's a, an economist named Robert Gordon, and Robert Gordon, now think about this, and then I'm going to introduce a guest. Uh, Robert Gordon, he's a, an economist at Northwestern University, and he, uh, over the last really 55, 60 years, has been pretty prescient in understanding the ebbs and flows of, of not only our national economy, but the world economy. He correctly predicted the recession of the 70s, um, some of the prosperity of the 90s, and then um, some of the recession around the uh, latter half of the first Obama term. But uh, Gordon said this. He said, it's interesting that for really more than 2,000 years, not a lot of new wealth was created in the world. I mean, there were, there were you know, aristocracy and peasants. Why in the late 1700s, the early 19th century, why suddenly in the Western world, and specifically the North American continent, why suddenly were there people making money, not only putting food on the table, but actually creating generational wealth? Well, it related to America and our idea of personal property ownership and our idea of limited government and moral liberty. Uh, and, and so many of the things that, that really masses don't know how it came about. They don't know why America really is great. And yes, it is great. And we stand to lose so much. And we pray that maybe God in his mercy will restore it. But there's a lot to talk about and a generation or more to, with God's help and for God's glory, inform about what what just is this thing called the United States of America? Well, I've got somebody I'm, I'm frankly profound, uh, profoundly excited to bring on to the Hamilton Corner. His name is uh, Marshall Foster. And uh, we're, we're going to be talking about a book called The Land That I Love, Restoring Our Christian Heritage. It's really a compendium of writings by somebody I met 15 years ago, Bobby Ames. Bobby is a, a scholar and a believer, and a, a great patriot. And I met Bobby Ames at Summit Ministries in Colorado. We were out there to hear David Noble speak. I was speaking. I was representing Focus on the Family and Dr. Dobson. And I just remember every summer, you know, I would see, when I was at Summit Ministries, I would see Bobby Ames, and I just loved listening to her talk about just I knew some of it, kind of the, the God and country history of our nation, but I learned so much listening to her. And then when I got an email about this book, Land That I Love, that's really a compendium of much of her research, I wanted to have on a representative of that book, and it's uh, Dr. Marshall Foster. And, and Marshall, are you there? Hello? Marshall. Marshall hey, Foster. Yes, uh, you're you're with us. I am. All right. Well, 
now I got you, got you. Now, thank you so much. And uh, I want to talk about the book, but for just a minute, tell us about the World History Institute uh, at your own website, and then we'll get into the book, Land That I Love. I, like uh, Bobby, uh, was greatly influenced by uh, two ladies who founded the Christian history movement back in the 1960s and 70s, Verna Hall and Rosalie Slater. Um, I founded my institute um, in 1976, and for the last 43 years, I've been the president of first the Mayflower Institute, and then we just changed our name to the World History Institute because of our okay. influence uh, around the world. So, but, uh, but I've known Bobby all these years as uh, one of the great ladies and really the founders of a modern-day understanding of the fantastic Christian heritage that Americans have that has been forgotten, and she has taken it into every field, first into education for many, many years with her Christian school, and then, you know, into the field of journalism in in these uh, latter years. But uh, she's an incredible person, and I I couldn't uh, think of anybody that I would rather... Uh, talk about or talk about her book because it's uh, it's so needed right now in the midst of the crisis we are living. These are the truths that can set us free. Well, indeed, and and Marshall, as um, you've researched, and I know um, from reading your bio and reading uh, the WorldHistoryInstitute.com, your website, uh, you and I share a lot of really core convictions and your understanding of Western civilization. And and the uh, the the attributes of of what America has been about when America has been at her best, I, I thoroughly agree with you on all these things. So with that, I, I want to begin our conversation by asking, you know, what are your thoughts when you see somebody like uh, an Alexandria Ocasio Cortez on the news, you know, responding to the "Make America Great" slogan, and people are saying, "Well, America never was great," and so many voices in our country now, elected officials, are, you know, denigrate America, denigrate uh, things that previous generations knew were very key to our, our nation. And frankly, uh, you know, I fear that we're just ripe for the loss of our Constitution because so many that are now in positions of leadership and influence seem to not only be ignorant of it, but what they do know, they, they disdain and they, they mock. Uh, so, Marshall, what are your thoughts about uh, the health of the patient and, and the future <laughs> state? Well, it's exactly what, uh, what Bobby has been warning us about for almost half a century, and, and I have too, and that is that when we, when we don't have the truth, we cannot be free. Jesus said it well, you know, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that part of that truth, the center focus of it is the Scripture, because the Bible is the liberating document of history, and it's been proven throughout history. And up until, say, World War II, you talk to an America about whether America was great or not, yet he would laugh in your face if you said, no, America was not great, American heritage was not unique in all the history of the world, because they knew that heritage up until, say, 1930 or 1935. And she, she documents so well in her book what took place with the progressive public school movement and how this all developed at the college level and then down to the to the kindergarten level where the, the rewriting of American heritage took out our Christian heritage and transplanted a, a new age, new world uh, view of history that really is, is a lack of history. Basically, you ask the average 
uh, young person today about the heritage of America going back any further than maybe Madonna. Of course, that's going probably too far back. Mm-hmm. You, know, you probably have to go to some modern rock star or what took place in the last 10 or 15 years. But to look back and to say, what were the foundations of this republic? Is it unique? Why is it that only less than 5% of the people of the world in world history have ever had any degree of liberty at all like we enjoy? Uh, the average young person would have no idea that's true. And they mm-hmm. and the fact that they're on the streets of America today destroying the free enterprise system, destroying the cities of the country, so many of the uh, the radical young folks are not realizing what's going to happen when they destroy the foundation, because uh, then uh, what can the righteous do, as the Scripture says? Uh, sure. It will it will collapse upon them more than anyone else, and and uh, the coming generation will have to pay the price. Uh, just like Europe has seen itself destroy itself as it forgot its Christian heritage. Uh, I've been to Europe many times. I give tours of England and Scotland a lot, and I see the denigration of that Christian heritage over there that has led to the loss of religious liberty, loss of freedom of property ownership and prosperity uh, that just is coming to America because of this miseducation. And this is yeah. where Bobby hits it on the nose. Unless we go back and understand these, this great story, and what a great story it is. It's such an exciting thing to read about, because this is the positive way out. They were faced with the tyrants. They were faced with hard times. Uh, both the pilgrims who were escaping from their tyranny in England and, and then King George coming down on the founding fathers, and yet they were able, by following a biblical and historical strategy, uh, they were able to, with principle, stand for truth and, and uh, give us our liberty. And exactly. now we are faced with the loss of that liberty. This, this is perhaps the most critical moment in American history since World War II, and maybe all the way back to the Civil War. Because this could be the end of the Republic. You're absolutely right. If we do not respond properly, if we do not uh, come back and understand how to rebuild the foundation, then uh, then we are going to, we're going to lose it. If it just becomes a cat fight in the streets of America, we'll tear mm-hmm. each other apart and it'll be the destruction of our country. You're listening to the Hamilton Corner. Alex McFarland sitting in for Abe Hamilton, our guest, Dr. Marshall Foster. We're talking about the brand new book, Land That I Love. And it's very important. You need to get a copy of this book, but I want to encourage you to stay tuned. We'll take some questions. Dr. Foster and I will continue talking about America and how perhaps with God's help, this country can be saved. Don't go away. The Hamilton Corner on the American Family Radio Network. We'll be back after this. And now, your two-minute health and prayers update from the Presidential Prayer Team, a ministry of the Pray First Radio Network. Over the last few weeks, we are really beginning to understand how much asymptomatic cases and asymptomatic spread may be out there. So in that guideline is also to set up 
that's what we call sentinel surveillance are monitoring proactively in long-term care facilities, in inner city clinics that have multi-generational households, in prisons, among Native Americans, to really ensure we find the virus before people even get symptoms. And that's a key part of this also that sometimes I think is missing when we're talking about diagnosis and contact tracing. We also have to diagnose the virus before it is evident in communities. Hello, this is Jim Bolthouse, president of the Pray First Radio Network. During these times of uncertainty, we're here for you with current information about the COVID-19 virus, as well as important prayer points to guide you in prayer at a time when our country needs it most. Deuteronomy 31.8 reminds us that even in difficult times, we are not alone. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We'd like to invite you right now to join us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to stay strong and help us to be brave. Even when the path before us is unclear, give us the wisdom and guidance we need each day and help us to see the hope that you provide. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To access free prayer resources that guide you in prayer and to see updates about the COVID-19 virus, go to pausetopray.org. Proverbs 24:16 says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Brian Fisher here with an excerpt from the Boy to Man book for fathers to read with their 12-year-old sons. Here is Winston Churchill during the darkest hours of World War II. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never Never, never, in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in, except to convictions of honor and good sense, end quote. Whether it's an academic challenge, an athletic challenge, a romantic disappointment, or a setback in work or career, don't throw in the towel. Wipe the sweat and blood from your brow and get back in the ring. As Proverbs says, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Order a copy of the Boy to Man book today as a Father's Day gift at afastore.net, afastore.net. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. Shining light into the darkness, this is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. Alex McFarland sitting in for Abe Hamilton. We're talking with Dr. Marshall Foster. And, you know, we're going to open up the phones as well. Uh, The number, by the way, toll-free nationwide if you'd like to call in to the American Family Radio Network. If you have a question for Dr. Foster or for myself, uh, the number is 888-589-8840. Uh, This book, Land That I Love, uh, I I would encourage you to get this book, and um, some of the the chapter titles, The Surrender to Secularism, Uh, Good Books, Good Friends, Great Stories Never Forgotten, Um, you know, What is the Religion of America Today, The Impact of Roe versus Wade, so many things. I know this continuum. I know uh, some of the great milestones and great by great, I mean significant, not positive, but I know some of the significant milestones that have led this gradual incremental march away 
from a free, small government representative republic to now this anarchy, lawlessness, bordering on uh, a socialist police state. I know some of the track that led us to where we are. Um, Only God knows if we'll find our way back, and, and it will take a massive, pervasive movement of the Holy Spirit. But for one thing, Dr. Foster, I want you to, I want to say thank you for being on the show and giving us some time because, you know, so much of news right now is like sound bites. People come on and if they can't say it in about three to ten seconds, you know, that they really don't get a lot of airtime. But I wanted to just devote some significant bandwidth to this subject. First of all, where can people get this book, Land That I Love? Well, uh, it's through NorgeCon Publishing, and I'm sure it's available online at your bookstores, uh, Amazon. Uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm sure it's available nationwide. Sure. It's been really. And um, that's, uh, by the way, Nordskog, that's N-O-R-D-S-K-O-G, Nordskog Publishing of Ventura, California. And the book is Land That I Love. Uh, the yeah. subtitle is uh, Restoring, is it Restoring America, Restoring Our Christian Heritage? Um, but uh, talk about this. Why, why have you devoted the majority of your life to uh, proclaiming some almost forgotten history of our nation, Marshall? Well, I actually started out in ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ back in the 60s. I was a uh, I debated Jane Fonda on the free speech platform at USC with wow. my, uh, my my tie-dye jeans and my floppy Jesus hat. I went up to Berkeley, and we, we faced off with uh, Hayden and all the uh, radicals at Berkeley that were founding the organizations that now head up most of the universities of America. Um, back in the this is late 60s, early 70s during the riots. We were there during the summer of 1971. And that all of that, and then seminary after that, and then and just nine or ten years on the college campus after college uh, gave me a perspective that we were losing our country, even though that we were in the midst of the Jesus movement. You, know, you probably, uh, another generation before you probably, but uh, that yeah, was but my I'm generation. Oh, yeah, we, we saw uh, millions come to Christ, many young people. One out of three people I would talk to on the college campus would come to know Christ. Uh, hey, hey let me ask you this. Uh, f- forgive me for interjecting here, yeah. um, but this is important. By the way, you, you don't look old enough to have been ministering in the 60s, so the, the Lord has given you, you know, a youthful appearance. And I, <laughs> I, you, you with your background in Campus Crusade, I'm, I'm very, very close friends with Josh McDowell, and Josh yes, has been too. kind of a mentor to me, and I, I know uh, some of that era. Um, through what I've learned from Josh and others. Uh, but he, here's a question from kind of out of left field. I've heard a lot of people say before the rapture or before Christ returns, there'll be a great revival. Um, you know, nowadays people are asking, hey, well, maybe the Jesus movement, maybe that was it. I mean, you know, into the middle of the Jesus movement, which really was a great awakening, I believe. Uh, comes Roe versus Wade and abortion, and uh, God showed up, and it's almost like America said, "Hey, no thanks." Do Do you think the Jesus movement was the last great revival before America f- continues to die, and ultimately we um, 
descend into the end times? Yeah. Well, it could be. Uh, and, of course, I was led to the Lord by Hal Lindsey back in the 60s, the author of the late great planet Earth, so that goes back a long ways. But uh, I do not believe that's the case. I think that what we had was a great awakening of people coming to know Christ, but there was a weakness in our faith, a weakness theologically of not applying the, the gospel to every area of life. And I think this is where, where Bobby is so strong, is that she has taken then the Word of God and this revival of her in her own life that she experienced as a young person, and then took it to uh, the field of education in every area, every, every part and every institution of our society. Whereas the Jesus movement tended to go toward the emotions, toward to, to become saved and to then individually experience Christ, which is the foundation for awakening. But uh, as other people like Jay Vanor and others have said, to have a full Great Awakening like we had in the 1730s and 40s, which brought about the American Revolution, we need to follow up on that revival and take it into the culture. And I think that the fault of what happened with Roe versus Wade, and this is what I was getting to in my own personal story, is that I saw this taking place because I was there at that moment in 72, 73, making decisions of what I was going to do with my life after I had been to seminary, after I had been with Campus Crusade. And at that point, I'm I'm thinking, what happened to the Church? How did we possibly allow the babies to be killed there with those Supreme Court justices making up a law to kill the babies? Why did we allow that to happen? Why didn't we rise up and stop it? Uh, and and that question rung in my ears, and that's where I went back theologically and said, maybe we don't believe that Jesus is, is, uh, is really active and involved in these areas, that he only is involved in saving souls at the end. And so I gave up my discussion of end times. I don't really talk about it much anymore, because I don't know for sure. I really don't know. But I do. I don't know when he's coming. I know he's coming. But I do yes. know this, and that is that if we will walk with him, that that uh, there's a thousand generations potentially of blessing for us. And if we, if we walk away from him, according to the Ten Commandments, there's a curse to the third and the fourth generation. So I know that we as a people and we as individuals uh, can make a difference, and we can literally, in our time, transform our time if Christians will be involved. We're the single largest minority in this country. We That's by far true. have more money than anyone else in the country. We have more influence potentially in this country than anyone else. And yet we have been we've been persona non grata for the most part for about fifty to hundred years in our country. Now we've I been involved to that made it take the stand. You probably agree with that. I do. I'm going to come back to that thought. Hey, we've got a caller. Uh, we're going to go to Texas, one of my absolute favorite states. And uh, by the way, the number is 888-589-8840. We're talking about Saving America, Dr. Marshall Foster. And so, uh, Galen, Texas, are you are you there? Thanks for holding. I am, indeed. Um wanted to quickly make a comment on, on the line of, of discussion just now. Um, you know... If you look back at the Scopes Monkey trial, the Church failed to fight this. The Church failed to fight Roe v. Wade. The Church failed to do what the Church should have done in, in so many of these pivotal times in, in the history of America. I believe we are there again, and you spoke about the, the Jesus Movement Marshall, I met you 30 years ago. I don't know if you still live in Thousand Oaks, but I now live in Texas, 
I actually used to make your booklets for you at the Office Depot. Um, wow. When you first, you remember those days? The American and Covenant. You used to bring your, orig- your, your originals you used to bring to me. I'm now 61 years old, so that was 30 years ago. And I used to make them. And when I heard you were going to be on the show, I just went, I, I have to call. And thank the Lord yeah. that I got through. But, but so it's really good to, number one, hear you are still fighting the good fight, my friend. And oh, yeah. uh, thank you for your service to the Lord and to uh, the body of Christ. But, you know, I'll, I'll finish up here and get off the phone and give other people opportunity. <laughs> but, but again, um, here we are at another pivotal time. And so much of the Jesus movement, I think, was was based on emotional salvation. Yes. But where was the backbone? Where was the backbone? Where was the discipleship? Where was the theology? And I think we've become so comfortable that we don't need the comforter. And, and that's one of the poisons that I've seen in my many years of following Christ and being involved in church life is is that there's so little hard backboned theology in what we believe. And therefore we just roll over and play dead, unfortunately. Wow. Well, hey, this, this is this where, is really great. Yeah. Uh, give us yeah. a response, Marshall. I just have to say we, you hit it right on the nose. It is what took place with the scope trial and it goes back to the development of evolution at the school level, really the college level, starting in the 1960s with Christopher Columbus Langdon, uh, I mean, in the beginning of, the, of what happened at Harvard, uh, and then the development of, of evolutionary theory, both social evolution and as well as uh, biological evolution. Uh, the, the scientific study of the Christian, to understand that we, had, we were on the high ground and we can stand on Christian principles of science, which are the foundations of modern science. But we were on the high ground when it came to government. We had the biblical principles that go all the way back to Moses, all the way through from the time of Patrick of Ireland to Alfred the Great giving its common law to the development of Magna Carta by Stephen Langdon, the archbishop. It was all done for the Church, by the Church, to bring liberty and justice to the people. This was not done in a Hindu society or a Muslim society. It was done in a Christian worldview, and only in a Christian worldview, the only people that have ever lived. So... Why then would the Christians, with, with the intellectual base for every found, foundational institution on their side, why did we escape from the public sphere? Well, we had been educated, began to be educated in progressive public schools. And what Bobby points out so clearly, her book just details the educational fall of America and the solution to it. How do you get back to an education that teaches people to think principally, to think from cause? to effect. Have you all, I'm both of you gentlemen, I'm sure, have been in arguments recently, or you'll talk to a friend you know, about whatever issue, maybe the riots, maybe what went on with the virus, but the issue obviously comes back down to, it, like you said, a soundbite, or how do I feel, what are my emotions? It's not, what, are the, what is the evidence? What we call it in the principal approach, which is the, the school that, that, uh, that Bobby comes from, it was the principal approach, which was Noah Webster's philosophy of education, he was the founder of America's educational System, the greatest in the world, and it was research, reason, relate, and record. And you would 
those four R's, they called it, you would start with researching the original source documents, and then you would research and then reason from that research, and then you would then you would apply it to yourself and your society, and then you would then you would apply it into the future and change the world into the future. That that concept of cause and effect reasoning has been lost in the modern world. And for the most part, young people, and it's not just young people anymore, really an entire society, is being taught to think in sound bites and pick up somebody else's worldview and run into the streets. Hey, hey Marshall, listen to this, and I know we've got a, we've got more calls, and folks, uh, just hold. We will get yeah. to you. We'll, we'll do our best to get to you. Do you know what? Listen to this, Marshall. Uh, we're working on some webcast and broadcasting, you know, with the COVID quarantines. Uh, you know, I, I had more than two dozen conferences and events just evaporate off the calendar this spring. Yeah. So we're webcasting. All right, I, I talked to a television producer a veteran TV producer uh, that's helping us with a webcast. And she said to me, she said 30 years ago in network news or in, in a drama, you had what was called your, your story arc. And if the viewer was going to decide to watch what you're broadcasting, you had something like eight minutes. Now think about this. Eight minutes to establish your story arc. Um, you know, here's the news, here's the headlines, and, and, you know, five, six, seven, eight minutes, the viewer would decide if they're going to stick with you. This TV producer told me, said, um, you know, the internet and videos and memes have really contributed to kind of a cultural ADD, and she said, guess how long you have to establish your story arc? Three to eleven minutes seconds. Now th- yeah, think about it. There we go. And when, when you and I talk about things like uh, natural law and uh, anything from the Magna Carta to Columbus to Bradford and the Plymouth Colony yeah. to the Constitutional Convention, you just can't impart the significance of those milestones in three to eight seconds, can you? You can't, and you can't. That's why I've been working on documentaries with Kirk Cameron. We did the we did the documentary Monumental, which is the story of the Pilgrims and up Fantastic, through the, by the Father's way. Monument. If you ever saw that 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 film, it came in the theaters 2012, and uh, we'll be doing some more. But you it, you know it, even a documentary like that with an hour and a half, well well done. It's difficult to get people to even watch documentaries because they want to see it quickly worked out in like you said eight or ten seconds clip that I can throw on my Facebook page, and then someone will respond to it and say, oh, that is so emotional, that's so great, look, he fell on his head. That means this, I must go off and die. I mean, it's like it's, it's like decisions are being made that are life and death, that'll determine the future of our children's children based upon the emotion of, of psychobabble put together by marketing agents. Hold that thought, hold that thought. uh, We're going to come back with Dr. Marshall Foster, and I know we've got callers waiting. This is the American Family Radio Network, the Hamilton Corner. Alex McFarland sitting in for Abe Hamilton. Don't go away. We're back after this. I am editor-in-chief of OneNewsNow.com. Jody Brown. We want to get news to folks who are tired of getting news that's written from an anti-God viewpoint. What people are going to see is news that is written from a biblical perspective by people who love the Lord. 
We would invite folks to give us a try. We know there's a lot of news sources out there. There are a lot of news websites. Come visit us at onenewsnow.com. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. It is a horrible scenario, but it happens. Dennis writes about his wife. She was diagnosed with leukemia. In fact, she's a two-time survivor. And in the midst of all that, they ran up over a million dollars in medical bills. Thankfully, they're MediShare members. And Dennis says they are so thankful for that, how others came together to meet their needs. And that's how so many MediShare members feel. This is not health insurance. It's different. You don't have to pay for things you don't believe in. And like Dennis found out, it just works. So if you join MediShare, not only do you save a lot of money, the typical family saves about 500 bucks a month, but you know where your money's going each month. You're helping people. And if the time should come, they'll be helping and even praying for you. So yes, it's different. And as more than 400,000 people now know when it comes to healthcare costs, different is beautiful. Find out more. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. My name is Dr. Andrew Fabich, and I teach microbiology here at Drew McConnell University. And so instead of trying to teach biology from this perspective that gives you this goo-to-you version of evolution, uh, you get this perspective of this is who God is, this is who God has revealed himself to be, and he's revealed himself in nature, which is terribly exciting to study. Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. It's the worst of circumstances for small business owners in big cities. First, blue state governors and mayors ordered the mom-and-pop stores to shut down. It was the only way to stop the virus, they said. Then many of those very stores were hit by looters, pillaged and plundered on live national television, the police nowhere to be found. By and large, small business owners have been abandoned by government leaders, and many have decided to take measures into their own hands. In Philadelphia, several dozen large men stood guard outside Target, and in Cleveland, Ohio, a heavily armed Italian family stopped looters from burning down Corbo's bakery. Mrs. Corbo telling reporters the rioters came at the family with rocks and baseball bats. So let's cut to the chase here. These business owners pay taxes, a lot of taxes, and they expect certain services in return, not the least of which is police protection, especially when anarchists are burning down your city. I'm Todd Starnes. The Hamilton Quarter Podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Alex McFarland sitting in for Abe Hamilton. By the way, you can watch my Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, webcast at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Facebook, Rev 
R-E-V. That's Rev. Alex McFarlane. Tomorrow morning, we'll be talking about uh, current events through a biblical lens. And that's Facebook, Rev. Alex McFarlane, 11 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then, of course, I'm live every day, 4 to 5, on AFR on Exploring the Word with Bert Harper. Honored to be sitting in for Abe Hamilton and just profoundly grateful for Dr. Marshall Foster being on. We're going to go to Texas and uh, I hope the caller is still there. Sorry to make you wait, but there's a lot of incredible content we need to go over. But Brian, Texas, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you, Alex? Great. Glad to hear from you. Thanks for holding. What you got there? Well, I appreciate your time, gentlemen. I just wanted to comment on, uh, y'all had uh, mentioned it, the weakness of the church, especially since the the Second Great Awakening. And I believe I would say it could be tied, or in my opinion, tied to the cycle of civilizations that was done, and, and our nation has been so blessed that that amount of blessing has led the church away to uh, put their trust in, in the blessings and instead of the blesser. And as a result, it seems like we've lost the fire for um, uh, missions, uh, lost the fire for evangelism, and uh, just lost our fire. I'd like to hear what you'll think about that. Uh, Dr. Foster? Well, I think uh, I think that's exactly right, that it's going to take a committed church, and I think this is the encouraging fact. And again, Bobby, for example, ends her book with several chapters that give us solutions, these long-term solutions, that people, people must turn back to them. This book is a book you're going to want to turn to if you are becoming revived, and you say, well, what can I do to turn America back, this gives us the long-term and the short-term solution of how it can be done. It's been done again and again in history. And I think in answer to your question of why, what's happened to the Church, I think it's true. In fact, I always like to go back and give historical examples, a couple of real quick. Uh, Adolf Hitler came to power against all odds as a convicted murderer when there was nobody who liked him. He just it took 400 brown shirts up to 4,000 brown shirts, and then he was able to go kind of beat his way into the public square during times of riots and and at that at that moment then you know changed the course of German history. But where was the church? Only only eight hundred of the eighteen thousand or fourteen thousand evangelical churches took a stand against Hitler when he was at that early stage. If the church would have stood up there would have been no Hitler. The same is true in the French Revolution. Where was the church when the revolution was killing forty thousand Frenchmen in downtown Paris and 350,000 people all over the all over the countryside in the 17 in 1779 to 1784. Well, they they were not there. Most many of them have been killed. The French Huguenots have been kicked out of the land or been killed in war, and so there was a weakness of biblical Christianity in, and there was no there was no church to stand. And what happened in early America is that we were faced with the same problems, and we could have gone under, but the church stood up with the Black Regiment. That, those are men and women of faith who were, uh, men of faith who were, who were in the pulpits, who stood for truth and had got their congregations educated, because education was basically Christian education in those days, on the biblical principles of life and freedom and justice and living a moral life and caring for your neighbor. They knew that they could form a civilization, if, and God would bless it if they would be obedient to them. The result is the Church made the difference. We've not been there, but we can be there. And I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be a great awakening. I think that, that, that this prosperity that we've depended upon is going down quick. 
what's going to come out of this in the next month or two, we don't know. But it looks like from just three months ago, America's gone from being on top of the pile to being the hated dog of the universe. Our economy's down 30 40%, and things are going to be tough. They're going to be hard. And in these times ahead, that's when the church can shine. Yeah. We stand up. We love people. We reach out. We can reconcile the races. We can reconcile the country. We can bring back prosperity. But we've got to know the biblical principles of self and civil government to do it. We can't just go out and say, Jesus saves. We've got to say, Jesus saves from what? And what are the biblical principles? What is the way back? Show me the way back. And then bring me into your church and help me along. We've got uh, to be the loving arm of God to take back America. Do you think Donald Trump's going to win re-election? I do. I have faith in that. I, I, I believe that even in 2016, I, I think he will. Do I think he's the perfect president? No. But is he a man that I believe uh, uh, God's hand is on him? Yes, I do. And the Absolutely. alternative is totally unacceptable. Oh, and my I think, goodness. too, I think there's something going on uh, behind the scenes here that could be leading us to another great awakening. Uh, and, and it we might really even point to... all the way back to the Hebrides Revival in 1949 uh, that took place in his mother's homeland on Lewis Island in the Hebrides in Scotland, which sure. began the Jesus movement, by the way. Anyway, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, you and I need to get acquainted, Dr. Foster. I mean, my goodness, you've, you've got a lot of history, and uh, you definitely share a lot of the the core passionate beliefs that that I do. Let, let me, um, I'm going to throw out a stat, a statistic, and I want your comment. I was on a, a phone call with the Barna Group about a year and a half ago, and yeah. I, it was, you know, a 15, 18 months ago, but maybe the statistics are appreciably similar. Um, but Barna said 74% of congregants want their clergy to speak about moral, social, political issues from a biblical perspective, but only about 12% of clergy do. So 74% are kind of saying, hey, what saith the Lord? Uh, but only about 12% of pastors from the pulpit even address moral, social, political issues from a biblical perspective. Um, give me your response to that statistic. Well, I think that's true. Uh, just from my seminary background and my background uh, being uh, a member of the clergy, in essence, for the last 50 years, I, I sense the same thing. Um, there's a, there's a, there's, some people want to be more involved, but they're faced with congregants who don't want them to face political issues because of the divisions politically. And I think it's too much has become the issue of external politics or one issue rather than the teaching of the principles behind it. The Bible is so clear that if we would teach what God says in His Word, that then these uh, these various institutions will clean up. For example, a Republican form of government is a biblical form of government. Socialism is not. And we mm -hmm. can prove that so clearly in Scripture. But the average person in the pulpit doesn't know that. I mean, neither the pulpit nor in the pew. And so the people in the pulpit are afraid to preach on it because they think it's, it's preaching politics to, get, to take a stand for free enterprise, to take a stand for Republican government. No, it's a biblical issue. And if you don't take a stand for these issues, what hope do you have to save the children of the future and, and save our liberty so that we can preach the gospel to the world? You know, America is still the great hope of the world when it comes to evangelism. We still make 80% of the money that goes to world missions. America must remain free so that the gospel can go out and spread. And this is not the end. This is just a hard time 
to get our attention, I believe, so that God can move us forward into a great 21st century. God bless you. And so I'll does you... Bobby, by the way. Yeah, say that again. I was going to say, so does Bobby. Bobby, in her book, is very optimistic and positive of what we can do if we're willing to pay the price, to train our character. That's what education is, as Noel Webster said. It's the training of character in his 1828 dictionary. And if we will train our character to know right and wrong, to know the issues, and to know how to rebuild, then we can share it with our friends, share it with our church, share it then with the entire, start with our local communities and clean up our local communities so we don't end up like in New York. Sure, sure. You know, Uh, and we can do it from the grassroots. Let's do it. Uh, one of the things that's in Bobby's book, and by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Dr. Marshall Foster, and we're talking about the new book, Land, that I love, uh, by Dr. Uh, Bobby Ames, somebody that I've appreciated her thought and her research and writing for a long time. But there's a chapter about the Danbury Baptist Jefferson and the quote-unquote wall of separation. Could you speak to that for, for a minute? Well, yes. I mean, she is she's thorough in her research, so she goes back and again shows the background of what he meant and and what was what he meant by the separation of church and state. The founding presidents, including Jefferson, understood the importance of the church. He himself funded the first Reformed church in Charlottesville. He he believed that the church was foundational and that faith needed to be protected. Just go to the Jefferson Memorial and see the quotes. See the Declaration of Independence, where he says all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator. You see this man was a man of faith, and you realize he was not trying to separate faith, and she details it in the book, was not trying to separate the Christian faith from the society. He was addressing a specific situation in a, in a, in a, in a specific church that had nothing to do with the Constitution or the Declaration. Um, and so there was not supposed to be a separation. The separation was on the side of the government, if anything. The government's yeah. not going to interfere with your Baptist churches. You're going to be free to actually believe what you believe, whereas in past centuries, Baptists were, were thrown on the fire. But you know, if, if we're not there's, going to do that to you anymore, right? If, if there's anything that's taken on a life of its own, it's that. And, you know, uh, Marshall, during the 2016 election— um, I was uh, with Tony Perkinson, Family Research Council. We were trying to get people registered to vote, and I was just volunteering, helping. And, you know, I, I myself, by God's grace, have spoken in 2,200 American churches, and I was calling pastors. And, and I had literally dozens of pastors that would say, Oh, Alex, uh, I, I'm with you. Believe me, Alex, you know I'm with you. But I, I, I can't address politics from the pulpit because you know separation of church and state. Or uh, my church would, quote-unquote, lose its nonprofit status, which that's not really even true. But even if it were, since when do we only stand for truth if the, the numbers work out? You know, so, um, and, and listen, I've Spirit of full disclosure, I've pastored three churches in the last 30 years, and I understand. I understand the fine line of diplomacy many pastors feel like they have to walk. But, um, Marshall, what's it going to take for the, um, the, the pastors to have that prophetic fire and say, what thus saith the Lord, and get out there and vote? And, hey, I, I don't believe in ambiguity. Look, we're talking about the Supreme Court and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to be up for uh, replacement probably soon, probably, 
and uh, hey, I want a Trump presidency to be picking the next justices, not Biden and leftist progressives. And that being the case, so much hanging in the balance, what's it going to take to put some fire and courage in the hearts of our pastors? Well, uh, of course, it's going to take the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need a great awakening uh, in our, uh, among our clergy as well as the people. At the same time, I think it comes down to the people. We, the people of the Church, getting together with our pastors, loving our pastors, and then talking to them about you and saying, we want you to apply the Word of God to this crisis moment. I mean, this is not going to be a moment. This is going to be years into the future that we're going to be facing this crisis. And in these years in the future, either the pulpit is going to become the great black regiment, which is going to lead into the future, those uh, leading the future and give solutions to America's problems, because that's where it's always been. In Magna Carta, it was the Church. In the time of Patrick, it was the Church. It converted entire pagan land. In the time of America, in, in 2020, it is the Church. The Church is, is the place we must go to learn from so that we can go in and heal our land. And so, so the Church and pastors, please learn these principles. Please stand according to the Scripture, not, not for political party. You're not standing for one issue or another. You're standing for what the Word of God says in every area of life. And as you, as, you, as you educate your people, they'll be able to make up their own mind, because their mind will be biblically grounded in, in biblical government, biblical education, biblical thinking, biblical science. In every area, they'll have, their, they'll have their heads together. But don't let it go. Don't just... Because otherwise, we will, be, we will lose our religious liberty very soon, and we will be an underground church. That's where we're headed. That's where it always ends. And I, as an historian, after doing this for 50 years, I can tell you that's the history of nations. If How do you we explain? stop now, stand now or, or forever hold your peace, church. Yeah. Uh, what is common law? Oh, no. I hear the music. Oh, my goodness. Dr. Marshall Foster. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to hit the pause button on that question. And we must meet again, my friend. Hey, get the, the book title and where people can find it, brother. Yes, Land That I Love by Bobby Ames, Norch Cog Publishing in Ventura, California. And uh, Norch Cog, N-O-R-D-S-K-O-G, publishing.com. Pick up that and, book today. I highly recommend it. Please get it. And myself, too. And your website, too. Uh, is worldhistoryinstitute.com. And I've got a new book coming out, too, called The Liberators. It'll be out later in the fall. Uh, you've been listening to The Hamilton Corner. Alex here sitting in for Abe on the American Family Radio Network, folks. I want to tell you something. All that it takes to change the world, to change lives, is one person with conviction and courage. Be that person. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.